You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And welcome into Socks in the Basement, brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions, Northern Illinois, Northwest Indiana, anything with your foundation, your basement. Look, this is the time of year you might want to take a quick look at that. Socks in the Basement deals, mention us, family-owned, veteran-owned, female-owned business, right here on the South Side, big White Sox fans, went through the season with us. Check them out at FAMWS.com. My name is Chris Lanuti. Thanks for joining me at my nine-foot homemade oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago. Dave doesn't normally check in on Saturdays, although he will be calling in for just a few moments to talk about the end of this White Sox season. In fact, we're going to hear from him. We're going to hear from the 108. We're going to hear from James Fox. We're going to hear from you on the call-in line at 708-459-8406. All of that ahead. I have my thoughts as well on this whole thing. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat, we went to the postseason. Let's never forget that. We went to the postseason. It's the first year of breaking out and getting things together. You see a guy like Tim Anderson, stud, leader of the team. Absolutely incredible what he did. The talk and backing it up. You see a Yohan Moncada stricken with COVID-19, having to deal with weak legs, injured in the middle of that game, refusing to come out of the game. You imagine what it would have been like if Aloy could have been healthy. You see Luis Robert busting out of the slump that he was in. Lucas Giolito, absolute stud ace number one pitcher. Man, we got to lock him up long term as quickly as we can. We also see glaring needs. Nomar Mazzara, I don't know if we really want you back next year. Carlos Rodon, you're probably getting non-tendered. Edwin Encarnacion, nobody's picking up that option. You got to get some pitching. You got to get some help in right field. You saw the glaring holes in this team in the postseason. You also saw how close they came to advancing. You also saw a team that ended up fifth overall in the American League, which would have put them in a one-game playoff with the Indians under a normal format. I see a team that may or may not have made it to the postseason over 162 that I know is going to the postseason in 2021. Let's go to a segment that we just recently created. It's now time for an Irrational White Sox argument. Joining me on the phone line right now, one of the drunk uncles of White Sox Twitter, one of the godfathers of White Sox Twitter, Section 108, which hopefully will be populated with people come the beginning of the 2021 season. I look forward to sitting out there again with them. My Sox Summer joins me on the line for another Sox in the Basement Irrational White Sox Argument. What's up, Chris? What I'm going to say is going to sound completely irrational to those who have listened to me over the last several months on this show. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. Ricky Renteria actually was a pretty good manager in the postseason. I wish he did that more during the regular season. <laughs> so I love it. I love that you that you uh, didn't tell me before we started this what you were going to say because I, I agree. And I, I think that's something that a lot of people saw, I think most like us that watch it a lot, um, like saw that. And I mean, we talked about it last night too. It was just like there is, they were in positions to win the game and several times and things just didn't go our way. 
and kind of during the year they did go our way a lot, um, except for that last 14 game stretch. I think we had some rough baseball there, but I mean, you, you can't. It's hard to fault him when we had the chances to do it. It's crazy. It's crazy. But I'm going to tell you something. It's not his fault Garrett Crochet gets a forearm injury because I think he's nope. using him for several innings there. And it's not his fault that uh, Carlos Rodon has nothing. I, I don't even know if they tender right. him in the offseason. I, I think I, I, I would agree with that. I, I don't think you can. I, I don't know what he's got. And you would have thought he would have come out fired up. And I, I, I watched him when he was throwing his pitches. And it seemed like he was belly aching that he wasn't getting the calls. And it's like, bro, we're, this is a do-or-die game. Like, you need to, like, overcome this bullshit that you have in your head, you know, that you're not getting the call. Like, just try it better. Throw a better strike. You know, something. I don't know. Yeah, It was I, rough. It, it, it was rough to watch. I wanted to ask your opinion on this because I have a weird conspiracy theory that I got during the Rodan, um, his, his whole sequence there, when Renteria runs out there. And it was like Renteria couldn't wait to get to the mound. Because he wanted to beat everybody to the mound, it looked like, when he went out there to go get him. And it was uh-huh. like, well, that's weird. Why is he just going out there to talk to him? I think Ricky realized that he needed to have him face three batters unless he was injured. And I think the first thing he said was, how's your neck doing? Like, he was almost trying to get him to say, well, it's bothering me a little bit. Because he would have immediately brought out the trainer, and then it would have been like, oh, I got to take my guy out. Because he did not want him to pitch anymore after that moment. And, he, and that's why he does the intentional walk and everything. I think Carlos was slow on the uptake that if he would have said he was injured, they wouldn't have had to use him for three pitches. Or right. three batters. Three batters, yeah, yeah. Man, I don't... <laughs> you you guys, I tell you what, you got conspiracy theories over there in the basement. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it's for, right? Just to make up some things? Yeah, you sit in the dark, <laughs> you drink beer, and uh, you come up with conspiracy theories. That, that's what you do. So listen, in the offseason, there's going to be lots of times where we'll probably talk... Uh, you and me and, yeah. and, and, and me and the rest of the guys, uh, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the offseason. I know we're going to have ours. It was a good season overall. I'm trying to take as much positivity out of it. Let's be honest, Lucas Giolito is a beast. Tim Anderson is an absolute stud leader for this team. Leader. Absolute a stud leader. I'm so happy that he's on my team now. It's so much different than how I felt about him two years ago. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm going out and buying a TA jersey here in the offseason. I love him. Yes. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something else. Like, I'm looking forward, if you guys still want to do it, we got to do our, uh, our, our New Year's uh, crossover show between the 108 and Sacks in the Basement. I don't know how we can't do it. I think that that is uh, something that needs to be built into Sox Twitter. I mean, it should be something that happens every year. You know, it'd be like, hey, you know what? What are you going to do when you're hungover on Jan Jan one instead of watching football? Uh, let's let's listen to the uh, the boys in the basement. You know, let's 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 have that going. That would be fun. Maybe we'll even live stream it and then put it out on demand oh afterwards this time. Like we'll get really so now, crazy. Now, now we got to have we have to charge admission if you're going to see us. Talk. I mean, you have to. We have to charge something for that. Yeah, I think cameras you know. down at the bar. I think that's going to be the plan for the next one. It's going to be absolutely awesome, my friend. I feel like those webcam girls. <laughs> People will give us tokens. My friend, I appreciate you jumping on during this very short season, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Hell of a year. 
Let's keep it going. You guys keep doing your beautiful work over there. We'll keep doing our thing that we call beautiful. And, uh, yeah, let's look forward to 2021. James Fox is going to join us in a little bit. I want to talk to my buddy Dave. He's getting on the phone in just a few moments. But I do want to talk a little bit about what I just alluded to while I'm talking to my sack summer from the 108. Ricky Renteria screwed up a few times. There's no denying it. He made a couple of mistakes. I get it. They overthought themselves putting Edwin Encarnacion in the lineup in game two because of what he had done against that starting pitcher in previous years. But he hadn't done well against anybody that he normally did well against in previous years in 2020. So I don't think that was a good idea. That was a mistake. At least Ricky made a decision halfway through the game to correct that mistake. The thing with Zach Collins in game two, that was a massive blunder. You had an opportunity to get some runs. There's no way to know whether or not the team could have gotten a run no matter who you put up there. I mean, they stranded so many guys over the last couple of games. But here's a guy that didn't see Major League pitching for a month, and you throw him in there at that situation, especially after you've preached about the reason why you were playing guys in the last couple of weeks of the regular season, especially after you clinched and seemingly didn't care about your seeding because you wanted to make sure everybody was ready for the postseason, then why wasn't Zach Collins getting Major League at-bats for the last week, week and a half of the season after they clinched a playoff berth? That's a big question. Somebody screwed that up. But it's not Ricky's fault that Garrett Crochet hurts his forearm, and let's hope that's not Tommy John. If he really was, as he said since the game, intending to have him pitch several innings there, that would have put the A's back on their heels. They used two different lineups depending on if they're facing a righty or a lefty that's exactly how an opener is to be used and you fooled them because you used a pitcher that they would assume is a starter and not an opener and you used Dunning as an opener and in reality Crochet was the starter not expected to go six innings but he was going to be getting the bulk of those early innings I think the plan might have worked I, I honestly do I think the plan works if Crochet doesn't get injured I also think Ricky did the best he could with a bad situation at that point He didn't walk all those guys. He didn't leave all those guys on base. The right guys were coming up at the right point for a chance to get a hit, and they just didn't come through. I have been the biggest Ricky Renteria critic, and if they got rid of him in the offseason, it wouldn't bother me. If they went out and they got somebody who was better, I'm totally for it. And there's a lot of mistakes that he made during a regular season, and I really wanted him to start managing every game like he did there because he shows that he has the ability to make in-game decisions. Right or wrong, he shows that he can be flexible. I want to see that flexibility during the 2021 season from Ricky Renteria. I don't want to see the weirdness of sticking with guys for weeks upon weeks when it's not working, the reluctance to make changes when they're sitting there right in front of your face. But what he did in those three games is exactly what we've been yelling about that he needs to start doing, changing around things in the lineup, moving some guys out of the lineup, using guys in certain ways, using pitchers in a better way. I surprisingly can't yell for his head today. And trust me, I was ready to start selling Fire Ricky t-shirts on SocksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement listeners have a new Southside hangout to watch every game this postseason. Jack's Place in Chicago Ridge at 7000 West Southwest Highway. Jack's Place is a small, clean sports bar with a flat screen everywhere you look. Plus, their private video gaming room is away from the cheers of those watching the game. And with the cleanest bathrooms in town, they are a great date night spot. And now Jack's Place is teaming up with John Natanik and Country Insurance for Teacher Appreciation Days, Union Member Specials, and Police and Fire Fridays. Follow them both on Facebook for dates and details. Plus, give John a call now at Country Insurance, 708-289-9935 for your home, auto, or life insurance needs. Plus, a free Dunkin' Donuts gift card given out to you. And all you have to do is text him right now 
Use that number, let him quote you, no strings attached, 708-289-9935. Jack's Place in Chicago Ridge and John Natanik at Country Insurance. They have you covered, Sox fans. I just finished listening to your show from Saturday. Great show, by the way. Uh, And I heard your manager talk, and I just had to give my two cents. First off, Ricky needs to go. He lost me when he put his little pet, Yomer Sanchez, in to pitch the ninth inning. And, yes, you could say he was ejected from that game, but he was still making the calls. Second, I see a lot of people want Avi Guillen back in the manager's uh, seat. No. Please, no. That's the problem with the fans in the organization. They are backward thinking. They're not forward looking. They need to bring in a new manager, and they do need a new manager, but they need to bring in a new manager who has no ties to this organization whatsoever, who can come in with a clean slate and a fresh pair of eyes to see the true problems with this organization where mediocrity is accepted. Keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Yeah, it's me again, White Sox in the basement. It's Roy again. Um, like I said, I'm going to make a short tweet. Big Marin. Did it again. He messed up. His butt should have been in the hot seat. Don't get rid of him. He go back to Chicago Cubs. Let him go back to the GOAT fans. Let him go back to the GOAT stadium. Let him, play, let him coach the GOAT and, and move Frank Thomas back up. Put him back in a uh, White Sox uniform as head coach. Have Frank, Frank Thomas. And I guarantee you put Frank Thomas or Ozzy Ginn or Rob Mature or, um, Find find somebody that that be a head coach that used to play for the White Sox, like Jack Medell or something, or uh, you can put somebody in there, put Jim Tomey in there coaching. But they need to get rid. They need to get rid of uh, Rick Gonzalez. This 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 is it, man. That, that, that's you know we need we need a new head coach. We need a new head coach. You tell you tell Rick Hahn we need a new head coach. All right, joining me on the phone line right now, James Fox, Future Sox, uh, writes for SI. I mean, the man has been with us now for a couple of years. James, we started uh, talking to each other on Sox in the Basement back when you couldn't even imagine playoff baseball for the White Sox. You didn't know what year that was going to happen. It happened this year. It would have happened either way. They would have just been the last wild card in if it was the normal format. Uh, so there's a lot of positives here, but coming out of this now, after seeing what happened in Oakland, what's your first impressions of this team and what happened this year and, and what happened in this playoff series? Yeah, so I, think, I don't know. I guess like my first impressions are probably different than what a lot of other people are feeling. I, I kind of feel like you know over the next five years or so here, I think people would be crazy to not take this organization over the ones that they're directly competing with, like over Minnesota and over Cleveland. You know, I think going into 2021, Sox should be American League Central favorites. I do think they're going to add a little bit in the offseason because, you know, I think they kind of have to. I think it was frustrating. I think we all kind of said at the beginning, like, oh, just get in. They went 35 and 25. It, it wasn't very fun, like, down towards the end of that, right? But just like you alluded to on the way in, I mean, they had the fifth best record in the American League and the, and the best run differential, you know, in a couple of those games you win a couple of those games that you lost, right? And you're, you're 37 and 23 and you probably win a division and everybody kind of feels a lot better. So there were definitely like warts shown and some of their flaws were absolutely exposed against Oakland in a three game series. But overall, like I'm, 
I'm pretty excited to see like what they're going to do here like in the offseason once this like season wraps up. I feel like this team needs to go and get one more stud starting pitcher. I, I, I am worried about just relying on the return of Michael Kopech and all of a sudden Dylan Cease figures it out or Dane Dunning takes the next step. If that happens, that's gravy. Then you got your fours and your fives. But I, I really want him to go out and get one more. Do you think that this team... Do you think Rick Hahn probably got an idea of, man, we really need to fix the right field thing and get another big starting pitcher? Yeah, I think pitching's probably the priority, I would think. I mean, right? I mean, you, you hear like months ago, our, our old friend, uh, the owner of the team, Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, kind of crying poor and just talking about biblical losses and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. You know, then he just spends $25 million on a basketball coach. So, Rick Hahn's already alluded to the fact that, like, him and Kenny Williams have talked about offseason targets. So, yeah, like, they, ha- they have to know. They-, they need pitching. They have two pitchers. I like Michael Kopech. I've heard Michael Kopech, you know, is going to be back, and they're expecting him back. I think he's going to be a big part of the rotation. But you can't go into next year with Michael Kopech as one of your year five locked-in starters. You know, you're looking at a Carlos Rodon, non-tender probably, and then you got Dylan Cease, Dane Dunning. Like, no, you absolutely cannot count on all those guys. My ideal scenario is them going out and getting a free agent pitcher or trading for one. I think uh, Trevor Bauer's probably unrealistic. Um, if it happened, that would be awesome. I'm thinking more of the Marcus Stroman, maybe Jose Quintana, even if it's like just a Jake Odorizzi, like that's, that's a pretty big upgrade, you know, and then maybe somebody of the lesser variety or maybe somebody in a trade. Um, and then I think you have Dunning. And then if you still have Cease, he he's not guaranteed a spot. I don't think because I think what we saw from Dylan Cease this year, it, it wasn't necessarily like uncommon or unlikely, right? Like young pitchers take a while, but like when you're trying to win a division, like some of these guys are just going to have to develop faster or they're going to get left behind. So I'm very curious to see what they do with guys like Dylan Cease and Ronaldo Lopez this off season. Like I kind of feel like those guys could, could be moved potentially for something younger and then you get more sure things in your rotation. And I think, honestly, I think they have bullpen issues too. And I think they're going to need to fix right field, even though I probably, I think they're going to have to do right field via trade. And I think they have to ask themselves some some tough questions. I mean, this podcast is known for going through the lineup and looking at some of their woes against right-handed pitching. I mean, they're one of the best offenses in the American league, but they don't, hit consistently against right-handed pitching. And, you know, one of the problems is they don't have enough left-handed bats, but they don't have places for these guys to play if you go get left-handed bats. So they might have to make a tough decision and get rid of one of these one of these right-handed hitters and put a lefty there instead just because, you know, you kind of need lineup balance. It's a little bit important. You're not going to face lefties consistently enough to, you know, to, to build your team full of right-handed sluggers. What did you think of Ricky Renteria in the postseason? I've been critical of him, but I'm going to tell you something. There was a lot of things that he did, and I was like, wow, I wish he did this kind of stuff in the regular season. The stuff he showed me over those three games, even the things that didn't work out, I can't blame him for the Crochet thing. If the plan was is that Crochet and Dunning were to combine for the first three to five innings, and Crochet gets injured, and he's like, I'm going to put him out there for about, the, he was going to have him finish that inning, it sounds like, in at least the next two I thought that was not a bad move. It wasn't exactly what I wanted. You can't blame him for everything that went wrong in that last game. What was your thought on him? I thought he was fine in the postseason. Um, I understand, like, the issues in the regular season, the lineup stuff, the bullpen stuff. But, again, like, you know, even in Cleveland, 
and I can't remember the last time we talked, but you know, even like that, the series is they were clearly working on stuff to find out who could do what and who couldn't. Right. Like, do I think Ricky Renteria is like a good manager? No, I don't. But I think he falls in like that 20 that's in the middle. That's just like, eh, okay. I loved the strategy yesterday. Now, you know, would you rather have that be like some lockdown, like number three starter that you just like, Oh yeah, sure. But like, they don't have that. And I'm pretty sure Dylan or, uh, Dane Dunning's like going through, you know, a little bit of a dead arm period. So like, it's pretty evident to me. Their plan was to announce Dunning as the starter, right? Oakland uses their lineup that they use against lefties and Dunning's likely told ahead of time, like you're, you're not facing Matt Olson. So you got four hitters. This is what you have, right? He got into a little bit of trouble. They brought in Garrett Crochet. He got out of the first. I didn't see many people questioning it at the time. Right. When he gets out of the first, it's like, oh, Ricky, yeah, this is this is a good idea. This is like what the smart teams do in the in the playoffs. Well, then as soon as Gary Crochet gets hurt, then I think maybe they panicked a little bit and and freaked out and made some, you know, because I think they wanted Crochet to go two more and get him into the third. And Bummer probably goes the fourth and the fifth if he can, hoping that Bob Melvin you know, pinch hits for these lefties and get some righties in there. And then you go, and then hopefully you compile a lead and then you use your right-handed pitchers later. Like, I, I think the strategy was sound, but I think when Crochet went down, they brought in Bummer early and then they panicked and they used all their pitchers and they gave up a lead. I mean, I, I don't know. I, you know, eight, Ricky Renteria didn't walk eight guys and leave 10 guys on base yesterday. So for all the consternation over him, and obviously like, look, you're, you're, you're no stranger to criticizing Rick Renteria, but you know, the, the, the blaming him for yesterday, I think is a little bit insane. And I, I don't really, I don't really expect him to go anywhere. So I think it's, it's probably just people yelling at clouds at this point. I have, as I'm sure you have every once in a while, I have these people reach out to me and they'll share with me conversations they're having with people. And I have a guy who has been in this long conversation with a young man by the name of Oscar Colas, who says he's coming to the white Sox. Can you tell me about him, how likely that is, and how soon would he become part of the team? Yeah, so Oscar Colas is, uh, he's interesting. He's a, you know, he's like one of the next big Cuban prospects, but he's not like, you know, it's not like the level of Luis Robert or anything. He's 22. I think Jeff Passan called him the Cuban Otani one time. I've written a bunch about him. He's not that good, good but he pitches and hits. He's a left-handed batter. So he's actually like slimmed down quite a bit. There's like a recent video that I think I retweeted of him hitting from the left side and he looked pretty thin. So yeah, like the Colas rumors have been out there. His agent is Alex Cotto, who the White Sox are very, very familiar with. He, uh, he also represents Yohan Mankata and, and Norhe Vera, who's a right-handed Cuban starter that's in their, in their uh, international signing class. So uh, the international free agent period got pushed back to January 15th. Oscar Colas technically as of now has a deal still with a Japanese club that he was playing for. And he's like not even cleared to sign yet. But um, my guess is that gets sorted out over the winter. And if he indeed is signing with the White Sox, it would be like January 15th or so. And then I have no idea as far as, you know, where they would start him. I would think he would need at least a little bit of minor league time um, to play the outfield a little bit, just because he hasn't really played very much. But I mean, it would be, you know, it's right. Twenty-two-year-old Cubans are uh, right up, right up their alley. That's something that Jerry actually does pay for. 
<laughs> James, it was a rough finish, but it was a good year. And uh, I, I hope to talk to you a bunch of times over the offseason because this is when it gets fun, trying to figure out what they're going to do and then and, and trying to figure out the path the team takes in the offseason. I, I can't wait for it. This may be the most fun offseason uh, that we've we've ever had because we know we're good and we know that they just have to go out and get some pieces. And then and then let's get let's get the world back to some semblance of normal because I want to go sit out in the stands next year. Yeah, it would be great, wouldn't it? God, what I would give, what I would give to just like sit out there and have a summer shandy or something like what, you know, like whatever. (laughs) (laughs) First one's on me, bud. Okay. Sounds good. I'll take you up on that. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. On the phone, my buddy Dave, who doesn't normally jump on the Saturday show, but since the season has ended, I asked him to give me a quick call. Buddy, uh, before we actually sit down and have a longer discussion about everything going on with the White Sox in the offseason coming up on Wednesday, what's your first impressions following a three-game set in Oakland on Ricky, on the team? What do you think? You know, last time we talked was right after game one. Ricky put the exact lineup in that he should have. You saw the result. Game two. I thought he got too cute. He, he, he got too cute, and he didn't put the best lineup out that gave you the best chance of winning the game. You know, because here you go again. You, you see the Edwin Encarnacion in the five spot, and then after he, you know, two at-bats, he com- you know, proves completely useless. For some inexplicable reason, he's got Zach Collins coming in to pinch hit in key situations. The guy hadn't played. The guy hadn't seen real-life pitches for weeks. I don't know what possessed Ricky to put him in that situation other than, you know, here we go again with Ricky going with his gut and his feelings and he's painting Picasso's rather than looking at actual staff. And you might disagree with me, but I thought he got a little too cutesy with the pitching staff on game three. It just didn't make sense to me. You gave away game two. At that point, game three became a toss up. If your whole claim to fame is that you're an atmosphere provider or a a clubhouse manager or a player's manager, whatever you call it, you got to find ways to keep your team loose through the whole series. Game one, the team came out, they were loose, they were having fun. They're like, we're just going to do what we do. And you saw the result. They won the game. Something happened to the, I think, the, the overall mentality of the team between game one and game two, because you have, you know, Madrigal making uncharacteristic errors. You have uh, Dallas Keuchel giving you a very un-Dallas Keuchel-like performance. Now, granted, two of those runs were unearned, but still, what you saw from Dallas was uncharacteristic. I think that this team has to, this team meaning the front office, Rick Hahn and, and crew, 
has to really take a look at what decisions were made, not just in the three-game series by Ricky Renneria, but, but that whole week leading up to it, where he dropped seven of eight games or whatever it was, or eight of ten. It was actually eight of ten games, excuse me, going into the postseason. The offseason is going to be so interesting for the White Sox. They definitely have to go out and spend money. And anybody who thinks they're not going to spend money, let's not forget this. If you're not going to tender Rodan, because they shouldn't. If you're not going to tender Mazzara, which they shouldn't. If you're not going to pick up the option on Encarnacion. If you're not going to pick up the option on Gio Gonzalez. Money's going to get freed up. They can go out and make a couple of really good moves. And they do have the pieces to be able to make a trade. It is going to be a fascinating offseason. And you could only hope that right now the brain trust that's inside the White Sox, which I'm going to tell you something we've talked about on this show before. We talked about it with James before. We didn't bring it up there, but we've talked about this. Yeah, Kenny and Rick Hahn have been there for a long time. The guys around them and beneath them are very different. The philosophy has been changing internally within the team in a lot of different ways. It'll be very, very interesting, fascinating to see what they do with an offseason where other Major League Baseball free agents may have looked at this team now and said, I want to be on this team. You, you actually have some capital, I think. You have teams that are noticing that they're good and players going, man, that would be a nice thing to be a part of. You're going to have money you can spend no matter what happened with COVID-19. You got money coming off the books. You know what your glaring needs are. You know you need pitching. You know you need to shore up the bullpen a little bit more. You know you need to go get yourself a right, a right fielder. You know you need to get yourself some left-handed bats. So let's do it. I can't wait to start breaking this down in the offseason with you on Socks in the Basement. We're going to continue throughout the entire offseason. We never have an offseason on this show. We don't disappear for a month or two. We're always here. We're here on Wednesdays. We're here on Saturdays. We're everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.